This is PhotoBizX, episode number 440, and today we are talking fine art photography. There's less, slightly less of a business focus today, but I know you're going to get a ton from what our special guest Joshua Simmons shares. Not only is he incredibly talented with some amazing images in his portfolio, I know that you'll be shocked to hear he's only been photographing for around three years. That interview's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Something different, like I mentioned earlier, and please do yourself a big favor and go and check out the work of Joshua before we get into this interview to give you some idea of the kind of talent he has. I've got examples of his work in the show notes for today's episode, and they are at photobizx.com forward slash 440, or you can go straight to his website at fineartportrait.org. Before we do jump into that interview with Joshua, if you didn't catch last week's episode with Anya Ponty or Anya Marie Ponty, get back and have a listen to that one. I've had mixed reports following that interview from PhotoBizX members, and what I'd like to encourage you to do is give me your feedback. So if you are loving a particular guest, a particular interview, a line of questioning, or the opposite, if you are finding it frustrating, if you want more from a particular guest, if you've got feedback for the way I approach the interview, for the way the guest handled the questions, whatever it is, feel free to let me know. You can email me if you want to keep it private or you can post a comment in the comments area of the show notes any week. And of course, if you are a premium member, feel free to post your comments there. I am happy to read your feedback, whether it is positive or negative, because if I can make the interviews better for you, I am more than happy to do that. In regards to Anya, she is a family photographer based in Australia, but does a lot of her family photography overseas in Italy, France, and other parts of Europe. And those particular family sessions afford her the ability to take her family on these European holidays where she teaches workshops and photographs families at the same time. Well, not literally at the same time, on the same trips. And in last week's episode, she shares how she does that. Now, on the topic of interviews or recent interviews, I do know there has been a shortage of wedding photographers on the podcast. I am well aware of that. I am changing that. I am working to change that. I have two interviews coming up with incredibly talented wedding photographers, and I am more than happy to hear your suggestions for other guests you'd like to hear in the wedding photography genre. So let me know if there is a particular photographer who is doing incredibly well who is more focused on photographing weddings than selling workshops or presets or coaching. It's the photographers that are in the trenches doing the work, photographing weddings and portraits or commercial work are the ones that I really like to feature on the podcast. Now, of course, that's not always possible. And because of COVID, there were so many photographers, wedding photographers particularly, who had to look for other ways to produce income streams. So I totally get the idea of teaching online courses, workshops, selling presets and coaching. It does make sense. But the feedback I get from you and other listeners is you love hearing from photographers who are in the trenches doing the work. And where possible, if I do feature a photographer or a coach, who is more focused on teaching photographers, and I always look to get one of their students, their past students, 
who are doing well with what they've been taught from that guest on the podcast as well. And again, I'm happy to hear your feedback on that approach. You're listening to Photo Biz Exposed with your host, Andrew Helmich. One more big thing before we get into today's interview with Joshua Simmons is the fact that it's Black Friday coming up this week. I've already kicked off the Photo Biz X sales. It is a massive, massive sale. It's this week only. Now, <laughs> in the interest of total transparency, I made the mistake and thought Black Friday was last Friday and I rushed to get everything out and ready and uh, made the, the sales page live put the offers out there via email and realize that Black Friday is this week. So you've got an extra week if you are a PhotoBizX listener or member to get on board with the sales. They will run until next Monday. That's Monday, the 22nd of November. And like I said, the sales are massive. The Facebook ads course is 50% off. The pricing masterclass, 50% off. The online sales masterclass, 50% off. LinkedIn for photographers course is 40% off. The lead generation from Expos masterclass is 40% off. And the Evergreen Facebook ads funnels course is also 40% off. So all those courses, they range from between $47 and $117. So super, super affordable if you've had your eye on any of those courses. Now, if you are on the $20 per month premium membership or you're not yet a premium member, there's 40% off the 12-month membership as well. You can get on for $120 for the whole year, which means your membership comes down to $10 a month. An absolute no-brainer, in my opinion. So all the details are at photobizx.com forward slash Black Friday. photobizx.com forward slash Black Friday. And... It's important to know that no matter what you purchase from me, from PhotoBizX, if you feel that something isn't a good fit once you've made the purchase, you let me know and I'll happily refund you. Like There is a money back guarantee with any of the courses, any of the training I offer. I know there are lots of specials and you don't want to miss out. So if you do grab something, you don't get a chance to look at it for a week or two and you think, look, this isn't a good fit for me, you let me know and I'll make sure that you're refunded. I want you to be successful with the courses or training that you purchase through PhotoBizX. It's your success that I am most passionate about, that I care about. Oh, and just quickly, if you are on the $20 per month membership, all you need to do to take advantage of the 40% off 12-month membership is sign up for the 12-month membership, then go in and cancel your $20 per month membership via your PayPal account. Now, if you have any difficulty at all doing that, let me know. I'll look after that cancellation part of the process for you once you've joined the 12-month membership. The reason we do that in this order is you get to keep the same username, the same premium RSS feed URL so you can get the premium episodes to still download on your podcast app automatically without you changing anything. So it's a seamless way to take on the 12-month membership. And if you aren't aware or you're having any troubles getting access to the premium versions of the interviews, downloading to your podcast app automatically, let me know. It's super easy to set up. Once it's done, it's set and forget. You just need to access your premium RSS URL or feed URL. You copy and paste that into your podcast app that supports premium feeds. And bingo, you get the premium episodes coming down every single week for the life of your membership. Okay, let's get into this interview with Joshua, which I am sure you're going to love. 
just one quick thing. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Joshua. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. So if you are loving what Joshua shares, if you'd like to hear the full interview, simply head over to photobizx.com forward slash try. Get a $1 trial membership for 30 days or which lasts for 30 days and you can access the full interview tape with Joshua. You can get access to the full back catalog or better yet, grab the 12-month membership which is currently 40% off and you can access the full interviews, the full back catalog, get access to the premium members Facebook group for the next 12 months at 40% off. And that's over at photobizx.com forward slash Black Friday for those deals. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. Today's guest came to my attention when Alana Taranto mentioned how he's creating community through Clubhouse and how beautiful his work is. So I went and checked out his website and I was blown away by the quality of work. Seriously, his work is gorgeous. It's studio-based, most recently features beautifully posed women who are lit by a master of light. I made contact for an interview and I was surprised to learn photography is not a major source of income yet. And to me, his work has the makings of a very, very successful business. What is scary is that he's only been shooting portraits for three years. He's currently in the army on active duty and he's married with four children and based in Texas, USA. His aim is to craft and compose art to be displayed and sold through exhibitions and galleries. I'm talking about the talented Joshua Simmons, and I'm wrapped to have him here with us now. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, and for your incredible kindness. Mate, um, does it feel like it's only been three years for you when you look at your own work? Um, it does. If for no other reason, I'm constantly thinking about the ways in which I need to improve. It is At times, it can be difficult, actually, to look at my work, what I've created, because where I want to take it, when I look at my old work, it leaves a lot to be desired. So if you look at your website now, or even if I'm looking at your, um, your magazine on issue, like when you look at the work in both those areas, are you critical of it or are you happy with what, you've, what you have put together there? Oh, I'm highly critical of it. Um, <laughs> I actually do not like to look at it much anymore. And really, it's not because of the wonderful you know, women that I've had in front of my lens. It's really because I feel like where I want my work to go, I feel like I did them a disservice with the way I captured them because of what I have planned going forward. Okay. Tell me, what do you have planned? Like, where do you see your photography going? So I began to really look into what I considered fine art. You know, I know that term gets thrown out so often. And yet very little thought is given to what it actually means, either to the particular artist or in general. And for me, fine art is all about composition and storytelling, where every single element within the frame is meant to tell a story. And I'm not comfortable referring to myself as a fine art photographer until I slow myself down, really think through every particular element that I'm placing in the image, how I'm posing my subject or subjects, the colors that I'm using, because now we're going to be getting into what those colors mean and what emotion I want to convey to the viewer. And until I bring all of those elements together to craft that image, I won't be satisfied. 
So the way that you're talking about your photography as art, which I love, shouldn't that mean that it doesn't really matter what the women think, whether they, you know, about your work, because you're really creating the work for yourself more than them. Am I right in saying that? In part, because yes, especially as I try to create, you know, um, when I'm working on a project or there's a series of images that I want to put together, to be sure, I want it to be a collaborative effort. However, I also expect that I'll take on clients, you know, and they will commission me to create particular portraits based off of the work that I've already created. And so at that point, it will be a balancing act where I want to create a story for them, through them and with them. And so, you know, at that point, it will be imperative that they also get that from what I'm creating. So when you develop the business and your photography at the same time, do you see yourself, you know, you have a a client in front of your camera, do you see yourself creating some images for her and then you're creating a separate set of images for yourself? Ideally, and this is where the pre-production becomes so incredibly important in that having that sit down in the conversation as to what it is that person is looking for. And then we get to talking on how best that this story can be told. I'm obviously going to give my thoughts, my ideas, and go to the drawing board to truly put together something that exhibits their heart, exhibits their soul, that tells who they are in a series of images. And um, obviously, I want to hear what it is that they think. I want them to tell me who they are, you know, what or how do they want to be remembered? Because that is really what I want to come out of my work is this thought of legacy. I don't want to be captured by the moment. I want for people to see themselves in whatever I produce, that it's going to last longer than them. And so what story do they want told? So what takes more precedence than their story and what they want or the art piece that you want to create? If I'm working for a client and they're commissioning me, then what they want is going to take precedent. If this is a personal project or I'm working on my own particular uh, series, then it is entirely what I want. Okay. That makes so much more sense to me, especially thinking business-wise, because I mean, I mentioned in the intro that you're still serving in the army. You're on active duty. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that when you leave the army, whatever that is, you leave with enough that you can pursue photography as an art and not worry about an income? For the most part, yes. You know, because I'm retiring, there is a particular pension that we are left with that aids us in continuing on and providing for our family. On the flip side, my wife runs a business. So any canvas backdrop that you see in my images, she painted them. So she runs her own backdrop business. And so that also is a source of income for our family. So you will be in a position where you really can pursue photography as an art. It sounds like you don't have to worry about being commissioned and to generate an income for your photography. Is that right? Right now, that's how it looks. I mean, I mean, we'll know more as this develops, you know, going forward. But I'm hoping that that is the case, that the only thing I need to be concerned with is just creating. Right. So what if I was to tell you, and let's say I was, you know, you hired me as a business coach, talking hypothetically here. And I said to you, Joshua, I feel like you have the makings of a million dollar business here. If you get the marketing right and you continue to produce the kind of work that you're doing, like, does that excite you? It does in the sense that one, I want for, you know, people to, you know, 
take part in what I'm creating and purchase, you know, the prints that I, you know, I want to make and to be able to, again, provide a certain quality of life for my wife and my sons, you know, that's where that excitement, you know, comes from. And so it, it would be interesting to see and get, you know, your thoughts or even a business coach's thoughts on how I would go about developing uh, such a business. Okay. Let me put this another way. What excites you more having, you know, a hundred ten thousand dollar client sales or selling pieces in a gallery, you know, that generate a similar kind of an income? Selling pieces in a gallery. Right. Yeah. Selling pieces in a gallery to art collectors and individuals who follow me and, you know, they're very interested in the development of my work over time. Cool. So is this something that you're already looking into or are you focused more on your photography and, you know, becoming a better photographer? Both. I'm trying to, you know, split up my time as best I can to, you know, learn the ins and outs of that particular avenue and also working on becoming a better photographer. Cool. I want to explore the gallery side in just a second, but have you actually had clients paying for your work at this stage? No. Oh, really? Because you have a price list. I did. And that's why I actually had to, uh, you know, this was a while ago and I have not, you know, looked over those things in far too long. Everything that I've created thus far was created through portfolio building. Okay. So what I see on Instagram, what I see on your website, that's all portfolio building. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So how do you find the women to photograph? Well, being a part of a military community, we were often living on post. And so whenever I had carved out the time to do a portfolio build, you know, my wife and I would put out messages to our community above, you know, what it is I was intending to shoot. And if any of the individuals, if anyone was interested in being part of a photo shoot and laying out all the particulars, what was going to be provided for them to them and what would be required of them. And um, so thankfully we've had individuals who've been gracious enough to give us their time. Okay, nice. Let me talk about one specific image to make it easier then for the listener. Yeah. And for us to chat about this, I'm looking at your latest post on Instagram at the time of recording, which is a woman She's nude, although she's wearing a hat, a wide-brimmed hat. You photographed her from behind. She's sitting down on one of the backdrops looking. So this is a military wife. Actually, no, this young lady. Um, so when I did this image, I was actually stationed overseas in Japan at the time. And I was coming home for some leave, you know, some R&R. And prior to that, I reached out to my wife because she and my family were in Minnesota and told her what I wanted to do and wanted to put together a portfolio build for a particular type of work. And she began to put out feelers for anybody who would be interested in this wonderful young lady who lived nearby in the area, who happened to also be a friend of a friend, saw it and she volunteered and came into the studio and, and we got to work. Okay, just take me back through that process. So you call your wife because you're going to take some R&R. Did you actually have this image as I can see it right now in your feed pictured in your mind? Yes. Um, in part, I had that. And then also it was also just being, and this is where a lot of my frustration with my work comes. So a good portion of it really also came in the moment. You know, we would see how the light was falling and how she was wearing the hat, how she was sitting down. These ideas would just kind of come spur of the moment. And 
I was, you know, while this image was created at the same time, it leaves me with a great bit of unease because I don't want to be flying by the, the seat of my pants, as it were. Okay, so this image is different to what you actually pictured in your mind beforehand. More or less. I mean, it was, you know, as I saw her, as I, you know, was guiding her through this pose, you know, I, I saw what I wanted to get out of it. But again, it was more in the moment. I didn't, this wasn't like something I planned weeks in advance, not this particular pose. This was very much in the moment. And as we were going through the shoot, I had the idea in my head and began to pose her in this manner. Got it, got it. So when you, you put the idea to your wife, she's putting feelings out. So is she actually going through her network of friends and friends of friends saying, you know, Joshua wants to photograph a nude, um, sitting down, wearing a wide-brimmed hat? Like, is it that kind of detail? No, uh, it'll be just, you know, I'm looking to do a fine art nude photo shoot. The particulars of what's going to be uh, provided as far as hair and makeup and wardrobe we all you know we would always have that available if if any type of wardrobe was going to be used and all that you know we require is that they're willing to be posed nude they're willing to sign a model release for the use of the images and we go from there and then for those who are interested they'll end up calling my wife and they'll have that conversation over the phone to be able to go into detail for any particular questions they might have and we put them on a schedule for however long i'm going to be in the area and then when the day comes, we get to work. Wow, I love it. I love it. So I'm guessing one of the concerns is where you're going to use these images that you're taking of these women. Is that something that you have to discuss beforehand? I do. Just so, I mean, I always do that. I want them to know exactly what the images will be used for, where they're going to be used. And they, I mean, with this particular shoot, you know, she had the option of signing a general release or a limited release. You know, if there were particular images, which there are, that she didn't want, you know, released. And I never have and never will. But there were other ones that, like, including this one, that she was more comfortable, you know, with them being used. And that was it. But, you know, they know they're going to be used on the website. They would be used on social media and any other, you know, marketing use. Okay. So what happens, let's say, again, hypothetically, you know, things take off for you and this image ends up in a gallery and it sells for twenty thousand dollars for example what happens then i mean if i was her husband i'd be like hey do we get a bit of that like is that in the terms in the general release yes in the general release it's in the terms that this image is being released to me for my use for however i see fit right so if it does sell for twenty thousand dollars in the future that's that's yours that's your earnings that would be my earnings. And then, you know, because in this particular case, she wasn't a client, mm-hmm. you know, whereas if she were a client, no, the images would belong to her. The prints that I would make would belong to her and they would never see the light of day in a gallery. Right. Okay. So if you're photographing for a client who's commissioned you, they would still assign copyright to you. So you don't think you would use those images for yourself in your portfolio? If they signed a release, for me to use them? Absolutely. But that would be a conversation that, you know, that we would have where if I wanted to use them, I would, you know, request, you know, would they be willing to sign a release so that I could use these particular images either for social media or as a part of a series of prints to be displayed in a gallery? And if they gave me the go ahead, then I would, but if not, then they would be locked away in a vault. Got it. Got it. You know, you mentioned galleries earlier and, and I talked about galleries too in the intro. Is that something you're looking into already? And like, do you have to get an agent? Do you talk directly with the, um, with the galleries? How does that work? So I'm really only on the fringes right now of 
my knowledge of how that all works. And so I'm hoping to reach out to a few friends of mine that I know do have done this and they have experience with this and I'll be able to speak with them to get their wisdom on how to go about maneuvering through this landscape. Got it. Okay. So you haven't actually done this yet. This is just the plan, the long-term plan. Yes. Got it. Your work that you're producing now, do you feel a pressure on yourself to, you know, to put out an image onto social media every week or every couple of days, uh, every month? Like, do you feel a pressure to keep producing work? I did. I did for a period of time. However, I haven't shot anything in two years. And so as of now, you haven't shot in two years. As of now, matter of fact, this latest image that you're seeing on my social media, that was done two years ago. Wow. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reasons as you know, behind that. Again, I was in Japan for over a year because COVID broke out right around that time. I was supposed to be coming home. And so I had to extend my time. And then having gotten back to the States, I have not had the motivation really to get back into the studio. You know, a lot of things when it came to depression were really setting in on me and prevented me from getting into the studio. So I haven't shot anything in two years, but in that time, it really aided in alleviating that pressure where now my only concern is I will share something when I've created something, when I've taken the time to do it and not really put myself under that type of a, of a thought process that I need to have something every single week. Again, because, and that's the trap, isn't it, of social media where you feel like when you have these followers that you have to keep producing work and keep showing work. And what I love about your portfolio and what I have seen is you tend to show a best of image or your favorite or your selected image, but there's not a whole series just to, to fill up the feed. Right. Is that something you've done on purpose? Yes. And going forward again, it's also why what I want to do with my work continually, where even if I have, say, a series of 10 images, they're not going to look exactly alike. And I'm not going to move on until I get the image I've I've planned for and that I want. So, you know, I could take 20 different frames, but it's only because I'm making minor adjustments on a pose or on a particular element in the frame. I'm not a big fan of, you know, nine photos. And the only thing that's changed is the angle of a person's hand, but that's what you're post. That's what I'm posting on social media. Yeah. I love that. So you're in Japan. You're obviously, you can't shoot the way you want to shoot. Are you still practicing photography while you're there? Are you shooting straight and doing other things? I did for a little while. I was doing street. I was doing some macro work, but my health began to take a turn while I was over there. And so I wasn't able to dedicate myself to photography as much as I wanted to. And so that's why these last two years have been a, they've been a grind. There were, times when I was thinking of putting my camera down and not picking it up again. And so it's good. I'm glad now that uh, that cloud has has parted. But um, yeah, no, I was I was doing street photography. I was doing some uh, macro work and wanted to do some get back to astrophotography, which was my first love in photography. Wow. You know, what led you to feel like, you know, potentially putting the camera away and not picking it up again? Uh, so I'm, you know, I battle, you know, a few things when it comes to my own um, my own mental health. And again, and depression being one of them, when it sets in, it sets in heavily. And, you know, you begin to, at least me, I begin to take a, a look at, you know, the things that I've done and questioning their value or worth. 
and by extension myself. And so that usually puts me in a, a headspace where I'm just like, okay, there's no point in me doing this anymore. Now, thankfully, my wife is always at my side. She's always pushing me forward and constantly reminding me of uh, what I could potentially offer in the realm of art. So she's been my greatest advocate to pull me out of that. So she's trying to help you, I guess, over Zoom or the phone while you're in Japan. Are you also then getting help through the army? I am. I am. You know, whenever we could. Now, it was hard while I was in Japan because we were in a remote location. And so the travel time back and forth was very difficult. And so it had to come in drips rather than a steady stream. Right. You know, you paint a picture of being in Japan and isolated and, um, you know, I'm guessing with a team. I know it probably isn't as romantic as it sounds, but it sounds like a street photographer's dream to be out there and shooting. I mean, do you already look back and think, wow, you know, I wish I captured more of that or just that was a time you just didn't want to know about photography? It was, it was strange because it's really both and. I do look back because, I mean, the countryside of Japan is absolutely gorgeous and to take advantage of having that type of beauty. And we were in a rural area. So being able to capture that type of life and seeing people go about their daily life and just, and capturing those moments, even the times that I did do it, you know, it was a very wonderful time that I truly appreciate, but there's the flip side of that coin. And I had those long stretches where really I didn't, I didn't want to touch my camera. I didn't want to look at a photo and I just, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Wow. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I've been through similar things, not with depression, uh, but more with a camera where photography was purely a job. And it's just like, wow, I just do not want to pick this thing up. Mm-hmm. It's a work tool. And that was it. But yeah, like you, you so I got past that and uh, became great again. So hopefully you're on the, on the other end of that. Um, in the intro, I mentioned Alana was talking about you and your clubhouse community. Can you share a little bit about that? You know, I, I, especially when Clubhouse first started, you know, they had the perfect storm to really start up that app. COVID was at probably its height where no one was working and all people had was just time on their hands. And so when Clubhouse opened up to the general public, you know, the photography community flooded that, you know, that particular app. And it became a great haven for creatives to get together. And so, you know, I enjoy that. I relish those types of moments where people are getting together and we're talking about the things that move us and why we do the things that we do. And so I, I've always had that, that drive and it showed in Clubhouse to bring people together, to get them to really think through the things that they love. And because oftentimes I found a lot of people never really think that deep about why they do what they do, you know, what is it that moves you and why? And, you know, we began to really, you know, gel and get closer one to another. And you've, you know, we formed a lot of bonds and it was in that time that, you know, I was being encouraged to start a podcast and I was planning on doing that, but life happens and that didn't happen. And that's kind of the community I was trying to build on Clubhouse was a community surrounding my particular podcast or at least what it was going to be about. And that's kind of fallen by the wayside. But when I am on Clubhouse, 
getting around the people that I'm always around or new photographers, people who are new in the community or just starting out or switching into different genres, you know, it's wonderful to have a place where people can ask questions and get answers from people who've been doing this for years or people who have a particular passion or niche in a field that they can distill that information to. So are you hosting the meetings in Clubhouse or are you the person who's doing most of the talking? How does it work? It depends. From time to time, I've hosted a few rooms. Often I am just another face in the crowd. However, whenever we are on particular subjects, whether it's portraiture or printing, my voice will tend to get a little louder in the room and because those are things I'm particularly passionate about. And so I tend to do a little more of the talking. Got it. And so how do people find you on Clubhouse? And when do we know that you're going to be coming on? For on Clubhouse, it's, you know, if you follow me, you, you know, you'll generally know, I mean, for the people that I follow, I get notifications when they enter a room, or if I happen to schedule a room that I'm going to do, say on a particular day, then that's another notification that gets sent out to the people who follow me, or they might follow a particular club I might be a part of. So that's generally how that'll work. Got it. Got it. Let me take you back to your photography. And I said again in the intro that you've only been shooting for three years. How did you get the eye that you have and the skills with lighting and posing that you have so quickly? I attribute that to the teachers that I had in it was all virtual. So, you know, finding the tutorials from people whose work I admired, uh, Chris Knight, Felix Kuntz, my biggest influence in the realm of fine art is Hemi Valbenedijk. She's the, one of the most incredible fine art photographers in the world, in my opinion, and studying their work, how they light uh, photographers like Dan Winters. And anytime I was able to even get a glimpse of their behind the scenes and what their light was doing and why they were doing it, you know, that motivated me to try out, you know, everything that I could and dial it in. And then my love of painters and studying paintings, that's really where a lot of my focus is now and, and studying light and how they shaped, crafted light and shadow in their use of color. That's where a lot of my education uh, really came from so where do you go to get that education is it all online is it youtube or is it books in a library so a lot of it is online i do have a few books i have you know books celebrating the works of caravaggio da vinci michelangelo and then of course i go i mean i have a hard drive full of paintings from either my favorite painters or painters from eras and movements that i enjoy most and I'm constantly just looking over their composition, what they were doing. But then there's also tutorials and just going over and listening over and over and over again. I probably will watch a tutorial multiple times until it's pretty much drilled into me exactly what it is this person is doing and why. What I'm always most concerned with is the why behind the what. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about like lighting positions, posing, whatever. There is. Yes. Okay. And then how do you practice that? Is it with your wife? Is it with your children? Is it, is it with an unpaid model? Initially, it started out with my children. Yeah, my sons were guinea pigs <laughs> so often. And uh, they were just, you know, if I happened to catch them and dad had an idea, they were <laughs> coming straight to, the, straight, straight to the studio. But then, honestly, a lot of it just happened on the fly. 
you know, whenever I would do a portfolio build. And so, which with every single image that I have posted on my social media, that was also my learning experience. Uh-huh. Got it. So when did you feel, or when do you feel that once you've practiced or attempting to learn a new technique or look that you, uh, you know, you feel good enough about bringing in a client? Uh, almost. Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Any woman that hears that, and man for that matter, would be happy to be naked in front of your camera, I am sure. <laughs> Mate, that was absolutely beautiful. Mate, where, where is the best place for the listener to go and see more of your work and follow along as you, as you progress? It would be on my, my website at fineartportrait.org or my Instagram, which is JDS underscore Fine Art Portraits. Those are right now the two best places to find me. Awesome. I'll add links to those in the show notes. And just to finish, Joshua, like, you know, doing an interview like this, talking about your work, how does it feel to you when you have to say that you haven't photographed for three years? And how does it feel knowing that this is going to come out and that you've talked about producing new work in January? I'm, I'm usually apprehensive talking about myself in general because I often feel like I sound arrogant whenever I do. And there's nothing I hate more in this world than arrogance. And so, you know, it can lead to a good deal of, of anxiety, but it's a journey. I'm, I'm interested to in seeing how this all unfolds. And if I'm able to produce a lot of the things that I have, you know, in my mind going forward, because I just want to add my voice to the symphony of humanity. And that's really all I'm after with what I create. And that's what I think we do as artists is we're just, we're adding our particular voice to the overall symphony. Yeah, I like that. Now, I would truly love to follow up with you in 12 months or so and revisit you know, this conversation and see where you're at, what you're doing, what you're creating and how business and uh, the exhibitions are progressing. So uh, I'm going to chase you up in 12 months' time, so look out for that message. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Joshua, mate, it has been a real pleasure. Massive thanks to Alana for you know, recommending you as a guest. I've had an absolute pleasure talking to you and Wishing you every success for the future. Hope the retirement goes well and I can't wait to catch up and follow along again. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Joshua as much as I did. Joshua, again, massive thanks for coming on, for being so open about you, your business, your struggles, your photography, your personal life, everything. It was really a pleasure to talk to you, hear about you, and obviously to see your work, which is incredible. So again, massive thanks and congratulations on what you've achieved so far. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what Joshua had to share. I have links to anything and everything he mentioned in the show notes for today's episode. They are at photobizx.com forward slash 440. I've got examples of his beautiful work there, including the images that we were discussing in the interview. Plus, you can find links to the Black Friday sale and other things that were brought up in today's episode. And lastly, a big thanks to Alana Taranto for making the recommendation, for making me aware of Joshua and his work. I love hearing about photographers and potential interview guests from listeners and members. And Alana, this one was an absolute ripper. So thank you. Okay, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Don't forget the 10K giveaway is still running for another, I think, four days from today. This is for portrait photographers. It's a $10,000 digital giveaway. You can enter that over at photobizx.com forward slash 10K giveaway. Other than that, make sure you check out 
the Black Friday sales and the incredible discounts I've got going on there. Have a great week. Enjoy Thanksgiving if you are US-based. I think, I'm not sure, I think it's a Canadian thing as well. So if you're Canadian, or no, you know what? No matter where you are in the world, I think this would be a great weekend to give thanks for everything that we have in our lives. So have a great week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. 